time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here. So excited for another podcast. It is Monday, May 17th, 2021, and there is so much going on in the industry. So let's start off by saying, again, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals. And we're grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime, anywhere. In the Hot Topic segment, we're going to have Joe Malalo coming on. He's with K-Launch. He's Senior Client of Success at K-Launch and I work with his dad. And it's a father-son team in this industry that I'm just thrilled. So anyway, we're going to be talking about how the powerful tool of text messaging, how that can have an impact. The power of texting. It is the way we all communicate. If you really want to talk to someone, communicate with them non-verbally, you do it through text. You don't do it through email anymore. And so we're going to find out what you can do, how you can market with this. So lots and lots of information. Stay tuned and I'm excited about this. Also, I want to say we're thrilled to be a part of IndustrySyndicate.com. Mark your calendar for Consultants Day. You ready for this? Consultants Day, July 22nd. It's at Spinastra's office in Florida. It's an interactive half-day session that will provide opportunities to speak and ask questions. And so a great opportunity for Spinastra and other consultants. If you want to learn more about it, check out their website. We'll give you some more details on it. Also, I want to say a special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association for all that they do in our industry. We're pleased to have them as a sponsor. Also, we have the Pedastro with the Mortgage Bot Solution. They do a great job with their leading point of sale origination platform, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops do a great job of allowing you to connect in a more meaningful way with your peers up close and personal. They do not replace the MBA, but they're a great place to support your activity. Also, CMLA, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, they do a great job of working with the MBA and helping get our voice heard on a consistent Base. We have multiple voices need to get into the hill to have an impact. Also, Indicom. You can do so much with Indicom, but check out all of their resources. Alice used to be with them, and some of the things that Alice developed while she was there is still industry-leading content and technology. So, had Linda on last week. It's really good. Also, Incelerate, which is helping lenders close more loans by engaging better with borrowers and prospects and helping even you engage past customers. So check out the interview we did with, back in August with Josh Friend, still very relevant. Also, Knowledge Group, I was with Ken Perry and his crazy team of producers of great content. Some of the most amazing, engaging LBA where Lori was there with uh, Finn and a lot of the other content. I was watching one of his videos. I go, when's the training start? He says, this is the training. I said, dang, this is so good. It's so well produced and it's so entertaining. I didn't even realize I was getting trained as I was listening to it. We were together this uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, this last week with a whole group of others. Experience.com. We also had the sales boomerang. Gosh, I don't want to leave anyone out, but a great group of us were together and Ken Perry and his team. And we filmed a video, a training video while we were out there and I was part of the set. And I was more than that. I actually had a few lines in there. So check out knowledgecube.com to learn more about all the training tools and and technology as well as what they 
have already have it recorded up there for you. Also, Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence does a great job of helping you recruit top LOs and connecting with top realtors, as well as Modex. This helps recruit loan officers and also has ability to do some selecting that is somewhat unique from mobility. They're a complement to each other is what I'm trying to say. I use both of them when working with clients to try to help them connect with the right LO and right realtors and get into the right markets. Great market intelligence. So check out both these firms. Special thank you goes to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions to the podcast each and every week. And now it's time to get over to Rob Van Ramphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Ramphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, Senators Mark Warner and Kevin Kramer introduced S. 1625, the Securing and Enabling Commerce Using Remote and Electronic Notarization Act of 2021. The bill would allow notaries in states without enacted remote online notarization laws to perform RON transactions. The introduction was a direct result of MBA's advocacy, and the bill's minimum standard for RON are consistent with those provided in the MBA Alta model state RON bill, and the MISMO RON standards. Also, last week, MBA and the National Mortgage Servicing Association submitted comments to the CFPB on its proposed rule to amend Regulation X and establish a pre-foreclosure review period for borrowers impacted by COVID-19. The CFPB will review the public comments and determine the appropriate modifications for the final rule. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate the MBA. While you're at the MBA's website, be sure to sign up for the Mortgage Action Alliance. Uh, You can also download the Mortgage Action Alliance application on your smartphone and have your voice heard on the Hill in Washington, D.C. Very effective. I do it. I log in there at least once a week, take a look at what we're supposed to be commenting on and making sure my voice is heard. You should do the same. And the best part is you do not have to be a member of the MBA, although you should be, to use the Mortgage Action Alliance application. Let's get over to Les Parker in the TM Spotlight and see what music parody has and insights into the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. The Fed's so excited. Look what they do to bonds. Bulls just can't hide it. They've got stocks burning up. Rates about to lose control. Who's so excited? The jobs report excited the bulls, and minutes later, the bears. Last week, the auctions excited the bears, and then the bulls. Friday, bad retail sales excited the bulls and validated the Fed's asset appreciation machine works with stocks, bonds, commodities, and oil dancing. All the excitement left the dollar worn out, but that is the Fed's plan to devalue the dollar. Each market participant screams for more Fed. I know, I know, I want you, I want you. These views are my own. If you want me, go to tmspotlight.com. Oh, Les Parker has some social power with his spots. Early on when I was working with Les, I I go, Les, we got to add a little more energy. I think he's got the energy, folks. I think he's got it going anyway. Also, Gary Kentrabone does a great job of mixing that up and producing that segment. Very good. Another person we want, we want you, Matt. Yeah. So it's a very interesting week last week for a couple of reasons. And we were wondering if that really, really bad jobs report was going to have any kind of lasting impact on the bond market. It was two Fridays ago. And if you recall, it was bad jobs report. Bonds rallied significantly in the first half hour, hour, then popped back and ended up actually closing weaker on the day and sort of rejected an attempt to move 
into a new lower part of their training range. So there was a lot of pressure on last week to see if that would be sort of validated or if bonds would try to start rallying again. In any event, we were wondering or probably not looking for too much information until after the auction cycle got underway especially Wednesday's 10-year treasury auction. But as it happened, markets were surprised, blown away, shocked and awed by the CPI (laughs) report on Wednesday morning. So that is the big inflation report, one of the two main indices that people think of when they think of the Fed wanting to get to two, two and a half percent inflation. And it completely blew every expectation out of the water. In month over month terms, 0.8% versus 0.2 forecast. And just to give you an idea of how big of a beat that was, the very highest forecast of the economists polled was at 0.5. And then core CPI, which is what the Fed would like to see at 2.5. But they have said this thing could go up to 3% in the near term. Don't freak out about that. It did go up to 3%, even though the forecast called for 2.3, highest forecast 2.5, all the way up to 3.0. So immediately, bond yields jumped, which is what you would expect. But Mm -hmm. as traders dug into this thing, it's like, what is driving this? And even though a lot of us are seeing higher gas prices, that didn't contribute to this. In this report, they actually put inflation lower in this report. It was mostly about used cars and like utilities prices, but substantially about used cars because there are no new cars. So people have to buy used cars. I don't know if you've seen a dealership inventory page on the internet or anywhere else, Dave, recently, but I looked at just a couple of car dealerships locally after this CPI report came out last week. And I was shocked to see the number of new vehicles on the lot in the first three or four mm-hmm. websites I looked at. Care to take a guess on the number no. of units? 13 new cars was the highest I saw. Really? And that is the chip shortage and just the market with the supply side constraints. Could there be local things going on there? Sure. But one great thing about MBS Live is we can have an instant conversation with fellows from around the country and they're seeing similar stuff, 15 to 30 units as opposed to 70 plus. So definitely supply constraint is contributing to that. And it helps markets sort of get over this eye-watering inflation metric and not freak out as much as you would expect them to freak out when they see those kinds of numbers. And indeed, yields were able to just barely hold on to a ceiling level up around 1.7. And that's Mm -hmm. one of our technical levels right now. It's actually 1.68, close enough. And uh, then for the rest of the week, really no major folks on treasury auctions. We were waiting to see what happened with retail sales. It obviously came in a lot lower than expected, but the previous month was revised higher than expected. And here's the thing to keep in mind on retail sales, especially if we happen to get any more stimulus checks. The big spikes in retail sales have perfectly to stimulus checks hitting. And I think that markets aren't going to react too heavily to a report like last week's because it was really just an adjustment of that accounting for stimulus checks. We have big surges come in, big surges go out, and we're not going to freak out about a percent here, a percent there when it's a 10% swing. And that was it. And it left us range bound in the same old sideways range, which is just sort of a consolidation of six months of rising treasury yields and not quite six months of rising mortgage rates. And heading into the new week, we don't have a ton of economic data to digest. We do have interesting data because it's housing related for the most part. Uh, Builder confidence already out as expected, 83 versus 83. And then new construction on two Tuesday, no major changes expected there. MBA with us as always on Wednesday. And uh, Philly Fed, not a housing-related report, but 
the most relevant economic report on Thursday. That's seen declining. And then the big housing report of the week, existing sales on Friday and seen coming in just a little bit higher than last time and over 6 million units. So I think that the average bond watcher is just waiting to see the breakout is going to be. Are we going to break out of this sideways range to the upside or the downside? And then is there going to be any momentum behind that? As to whether or not it's going to happen this week, I don't think yeah. we have reason to expect that, but certainly it could happen at any time, but it will probably take months before we really get a, a solid read on the narrative of what is happening with the economy and with inflation that would justify a move in either direction. But yes. mortgage rates are happy. Yeah. Unless you need a non-owner or a second home, then recent GDP changes have sort of made those more expensive. Hey, there's another piece of news that was launched last week that I wanted to get your thoughts on was Better.com going public via SPAC at a $7.7 right, right. billion dollar valuation. It seems like it's happening more and more right now. And, mm -hmm. and definitely investors have an appetite for new offerings. Really interesting seeing what you're hearing out there as to what's driving that. Because you look at how UWM and Rocket Mortgage Stock, it's not exactly setting the world on fire as one of the best investments out there. Yeah. But any thoughts on that real quick? Well, not necessarily other than just sort of the macroeconomic thought that we have a mature stock rally. And I think those balls have probably been in motion for a while for better.com. And uh, mortgage companies plus a tech component is good for valuations. And if there's reason to believe there's some market share to pick up, I think people really want to be in that space. Is the number of investment banking firms that started making phone calls to me and to some of the people I know in the industry, hey, we're looking at this mortgage space. Well, what are you thinking? And it's just like that 7.7 .7 billion and yeah, double sevens on there kind of caught everyone's attention. They're going, well, not exactly the most wonderful investment, but what's unique about this story? And a lot of it is because the way they're going about it with the LO, it's the digital stuff along with, hey, we don't use LOs. And so they go, how much of an advantage is that they're doing their homework? And they go, wait a minute. And so expect this. I think this is a significant data point. I'm just saying. Yeah. And the only word of caution to people like that want to get in on the bandwagon is just how much the landscape has changed in terms of gain on sale lender margin. 2020 was an uncommonly excellent year for that best ever. And 2021, it might be good, but it's not going to be 2020 and uh, things will progressively tighten. So I think that investors that don't necessarily know what the trends are like in gain on sale and margins might have expectations a little bit too high for stuff like that. So just take it with a grain yeah. of salt. Yep. Taking it as a grain of salt, but it is an interesting data point. And for those of you looking to get a great service to track the markets, check out mbslive.net. And when you sign up for the free trial period, you get twice the trial period for no cost with no credit card required. If you put LOL for looking on lending. And that's compliments of our gracious contributors. Contributor, regular, Matt Graham. Appreciate it. Founder and CEO of MBS Live. You're good. Good job. Really appreciate it, man. Have a great week, Dave. You too, sir. Hey, Alice Alvey is here, and she's got some good information for us. Alice Alvey is the CMV training of Union Home Mortgage, and she's here with this week's legislative update. Alice, and I am fired up on what you have for us. Oh, yes. Thanks, Dave. Hi, everybody. Happy Monday. Yeah, I have a couple of things. Now, you heard Rob from the MBA update earlier in the show bring up about the pre-foreclosure review rule. That comment period just closed May 11th, but it's one item that the CFPB has put on the table to really put in front of lenders that we have to start paying attention to the foreclosures that are due to COVID that will now be coming due. Essentially, the forbearance release will end coming 
coming up at the end of this year, and we really have to try and start planning now on how we're going to help those consumers, right? We can't just wake up when the moratorium ends and go, okay, now what do we do, right? Because we're going to be flooded with an estimated of 3 million homeowners who are behind and about 2.1 million in forbearance that are at least 90 days, according to the CFTB's write-up. A lot of homeowners whose servicers have to take a look at. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this report that the CFPB also put out, right? So they've got a proposed rule we have to pay attention to. They also published a report called Characteristics of Mortgage Borrowers During the COVID-19 Pandemic. This has a lot of great data in it, and I really recommend it. As a matter of fact, Nikki's going to have a link posted on the LOL website for us. For those of you who don't know Nikki, she's a wonderful person behind the scenes who keeps us rolling every week. And so we're going to give you a link to the report. If you haven't seen this, it was published a little bit ago in May, but it really is a sampling of nearly 662,000 mortgage loans. Owner-occupied was the focus, and they're reporting on what are the demographics of the borrowers in forbearance. And some of the things that are jumping out at anybody who reads this report, and me included, are definitely the impact to Blacks and Hispanics and that there's a disproportionate share of borrowers in certain demographics, in certain LTV ranges, right? We certainly have to look at, do we need to do something different for those high LTV borrowers, as well as those that are in communities that may not be seeing the same appreciation rates as others. So I think there's a lot of work as servicers that we have to do to take a look at this data, right? So CFPB has given us a platform for national data to now go and as servicers and say, let's take a look at how do we compare to the national data and what should we be considering as proactive ways to be available for these consumers, come up with good modification options and really start to think about, should we communicate in special ways? Should we have different types of outreach programs? This is the time to start planning and thinking about that. So I just have a shout out to the industry that we've got a few flashing lights coming from the CFPB that we should be paying attention to this. And I think we're getting them in time to have plenty of time to be proactive to help our borrowers who are struggling right now and help them find a solution. So that's one piece, Dave, I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of and to go check that out. The other piece is the House Bill 2863. Now, if you go to the website, the GovTracks website, they don't have the text there yet. But if you go to the congressperson who put this out there, Earl Blumenauer, he's from Oregon, he does have the text out there. So several reporting sources are putting this out there inside Mortgage Finance, Housing Wire. They've all got some details on this as well. So this is calling for a first-time home buyer tax credit of $15,000. This is one of the biggest tax credits that has ever been proposed. So this would be part of tax law, right? In other words, I'd be able to get a credit. Now the requirements are trying to restrict to certain ranges. So 160% of the area median income, the credit would be based on 110% of the area median income purchase price. So there's lots of criteria. The borrower would have to prove when they purchase the home, they'd have to actually attach a closing disclosure to their tax return because there can be fraud in this. But lots of good stuff with this bill that could be very advantageous for first-time home buyers. Now, the flip side to this is 
does it really do anything for housing, right? Does it exacerbate, <laughs> yeah, the problem with housing stock as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So there's different opinions on whether this is a good or a bad thing. But I think anytime you talk about tax credit, people listen. So we wanted to make yep. sure our group was aware of it. And we've got a link for you for that bill as well. So that's what we're watching right now, Dave. I hope everybody heard about the federal RON, Remote Online Notarization mm-hmm. Proposal. This is a big one to try and attach this at the federal level since so many states are way behind on this and not making a priority. We really need that legislation. Yes, we do. Yep. I think the last was the the first time homebuyers tax credit. I Googled that. And uh, Alice, test your memory banks on this one. It was available to Americans purchasing their first home from April 2008 through September 2010. The difference back then was where interest rates were at, but more importantly, was we had a supply of homes in the market. So a tax credit does not create inventory. And I think that's the bigger issue here, especially affordable housing. If you look at the affordable housing index, you look at what homes are available. So it'll be interesting what effect this has, but not something that I'm going, ah, this is going to just light the house market on fire. Right. And who knows if it'll get rolled into the infrastructure bills that are out there now or if it'll flow on its own. But just wanted our listeners to be aware of it. That's good. Alice Alvey, thank you much for bringing all this good what's happening in the news. So much more than just a legislative update. It's great update in the news as well. So. Alice, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Be sure to say hi to Alan and the whole team there at Union Home. Awesome stuff that you guys are doing there. And a great company all the way around. All right. And you have interns and you're back in the office and you have interns there. That is really good. Yeah, we're super excited. We have over 100 interns this year as part of our program and they voted and 80 of them wanted to get that office experience. So, of course, with all due safety involved, we have a small group back at the office, of course, with lots of distance. So way less than 50% capacity, but it's still fun to be back. That's fine to be back. Well, Alice, we appreciate you. So many of our listeners appreciate you and the content you provide is just so valuable. Thank you. Appreciate it. Let's get over to Alan Pollock, who just dialed in to join us. Alan, good to have you here. I don't know if you heard us, but we were all together, part of our mastermind group, and your name came up and they said, do you know when that guy sleeps? And they go, no. And they said, we don't think he (laughs) ever sleeps. And you got programmers all over the world and you got what you're doing there at Open Close and what you do with us and what you do here in the podcast. I mean, it's like you are just an overachiever, dude. So anyway, what's going on in the tech world? And you got to participate in this interview we have yeah, and Joe with K-Launch. So I'm really excited about it. Well, I was going to give you the option. Do we start with robots or do we start with digital currency? And I think we're going to have to go with the robots just because of the, yeah. the teasing you just gave me. Yeah. So we've talked a couple of times about the chowbotics. If you remember, DoorDash purchased them. Mm-hmm. It's a robot called Sally, who can prep on-demand salads and bowls. And White Castle, which we didn't talk about, has now expanded partnership with a company called Miso Robotics. Not Miso Hungry, but Miso Robotics called Flippy. (laughs) And the bot can make French fries. So what else can robots do? Well, get this. There's an in-home Moli robotic kitchen that can whip up over 5,000 recipes and clean up if you can afford the $335,000 price tag. Ah. Uh, Maybe if you put yourself in a SPAC, right? You get your own personal (laughs) SPAC, you could afford it. There's something called blended, like not blend mortgage, but blend did kiosks. They can make 45 smoothies in an hour. 
an S and P wow. robotics called Barney, which is a robot bartender. So we better get back to our job soon. Robots yeah, are taking one over. One just wrote, and what does this have to do with mortgage technology? Here's the focus: the bots are happening all over out there, and the mortgage industry is a lagger. So I mean, I think it's interesting that you share this stuff. I love it. Well, the next one's not bots or mortgage, but it's just so fun to talk about. Carol Baskin, the arch nemesis of Joe Exotic. Well, yeah. you guys remember her from Tiger yeah. King. And David, I know you've got a hidden Tiger King t-shirt that you like to wear under your button-up shirt just so that you feel proud. Well, she started a digital currency called, of course, CAT, C-A-T, and allows buyers to purchase merchandise or online experiences from her big cat rescue animal sanctuary starting at $5. So maybe if we had live callers connected to our show, maybe our first caller could win a free $5 new digital currency in CAT. So let's move on. Now talking mortgage, right? Let's get into the guts of the show. Rocket Mortgage, if you haven't heard already, they're going to be sunsetting the Quicken Loans brand. And Rocket Companies has made this announcement. And on July 31st, Quicken Loans will be renamed to Rocket Mortgage. So there's news that maybe didn't know. One of our favorite integrations of the industry, Equifax Workforce Solutions. We all know them as the work number. Well, now lenders can request what they're calling all employers within 36 months to pull the prior 36 months of income and employment data from the work number database. Now, a lot of people are using point-of-sale platforms. Not everybody's integrated with the work numbers. Some are. In some cases, it's more of just an efficiency gain of not having to do the work later. But if you actually have the right workflow in your point-of-sale, you can get the work number data and actually drive workflow and rules and use data from it. So absolutely important, especially curtailing the borrower's experience, right? We're going to continue to be focused on that. So check it out, Equifax and their 36-month information they now provide. David, we talk about omnichannel lending, right? Get yep. this. The Nastra, they have launched a brand-new platform called yep. Ready Fusion Originate. It's a single platform yep. encompassing yep. consumer and business deposits, loans, and mortgage. God, if they weren't going in this direction, I would have said if we didn't already, they should be going in this direction. So yeah. love the news on that one. Good job, Finastra. And, you know, fraud. Oh, man, right? The, the pipeline got shut down. There's been a, a mm-hmm. ransom paid. It happens to borrowers every day, except they're not being asked to pay ransom. They just take the money and go. They don't need to ask for yeah. ransom. Well, yeah. there's a great article on Housing Wire called An Outdated Tool for Posing Risk in the Mortgage Industry. And, you know, KBA is a great way to go knowledge-based authentication. Most people here have probably answered those questions before where it says, have you ever lived on one of these streets? Or it'll say, which house number? And it has a bunch of random numbers and sometimes none of them is your house. Well, there's a risk with it. One is those systems can be hacked, but two, sometimes people can't even answer the questions because they're confused or their device. There's there's a lot of reasons. So what this article talks about is the rise in biometrics. You can't be duplicated. Yeah. Now, we've all yeah. seen movies where right someone will cut off a finger and use that to get into a doorway. I doubt that's happened but biometrics is going to continue to expand and be a big thing. And hopefully it can be done remotely over webcam and other ways. We all have starting to have devices that have our face and our fingers and our phones well, used nonstop. There is an interesting article on that point in the Wall Street Journal called The Digital Human. And you now have to get digital certification of your face or face for facial recognition. Yeah. It's really, really amazing. Check that out. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely. And in addition to that, so much good information. We're not going to get it all in today. I mean, because I, our guest topic is going to be so much fun. So I will give the teaser to what we're going to talk about. But but ICE Mortgage Technology finds, they did this giant survey, right? They a couple thousand lenders, borrowers, et cetera. Actually, 2,000 individuals 
age 18 plus who have taken out a mortgage loan in the last five years or are currently renting, as well as lenders. They found a whole bunch of great things. So <laughs> what I'll do is just jump to the final point that's related to today's hot topic. But nearly nine in 10 lenders, so 86% of the lenders said borrowers should spend less than 30 minutes filling out an online application. All right. I think we right. can all agree with that. 68% of borrowers said they actually spend 30 minutes or more completing the application. So how do you like that? And 2,000 is not a lot of people. The nope. next thing is that the majority of lenders, 72%, felt borrowers were satisfied with the amount of communication from them. And more than half of lenders, 70. 70- Four percent said they contacted borrowers at least once per week. Interesting. Yeah, I think this is a really great tee yeah. up for our conversation today. How you communicate with borrowers and how regularly and, and what verification, what means by certain that it, they got the message. So we're going to hear all about that. Alan, good job. There's so much entertaining stuff to do, but we got to get on to some really interesting information. So this wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update. Folks, next week we're going to have Stephen Cooley coming on. What disruption really means. He is the founder and CEO. CEO of Art versus Math. We've had Stephen on before. It was a very popular and well-downloaded podcast. We're bringing him on, if you can tell. We're really focusing on what's going on out there in the digital. I keep looking at the $7.7 billion valuation when it comes to better. This is causing a lot of people to really look at what disruption opportunities are out there, what's underway, and pay attention to it. So be sure to come in next week and listen to Stephen Cooley talk. Very, very exciting. And got, again, more great content coming to you from the Lickin' on Lenny podcast. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors as we exit today at Finastra, CMLA, Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility Mortgage Market Intelligence, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Coop, and Lenders One, and the Mortgage Collaborative. Thank you so much, listeners. Share this podcast with others. Tell others about it. That's how we've grown to over 600,000 downloads of this podcast. We appreciate you all so much. Have a great week and look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.